Welcome to this Market Commentator podcast. My guest this week is Anthea Gardner of Cartesian Capital. Anthea, uh, welcome to the show. Markets have been really under the whip since the beginning of the year. Um, and uh, some commentators are even speculating that, you know, we we may see some value returning in some shares. How do you view the, the current market? Hi, Ray. Great to be back. Yeah, since last we spoke, I think the market has been incredibly volatile. And it really does feel like we're forming the perfect storm, aren't we? Kind of what's going on in the political, the socioeconomic, and then, of course, the market. Granted that our market does seem to be a little bit dislocated from the economy. So, sure, things are under pressure. Um, I must tell you, I looked at the um, South African Volatility Index a couple of days ago, and this was created in 2007. And the average since then is about 23. So even though it feels like the market is really volatile, we're actually trading at about 23 now. And I know that the the savvy, as we call it, South African Volatility Index is really just a mathematical equation. But it does give you an idea of what's been happening. I mean, compare this. So I I compared it with the S&P 500, the VIX. Um, You know, it's also called the fear index, right? And the VIX is trading at about 21 at the moment. So whereas the VIX kind of long-term run average is in kind of mid-teens, since the savvy was created, and I had to do kind of like-for-like time horizons in 2007 to currently, um, the VIX average is also about 21. So we're not. it's not like the volatility is any much higher at the moment than it has been in the last, what's that, eight years or so? But you see many big companies jump or fall 10% um, on a daily basis sometimes. And uh, uh, that seems to create the perception that it's a lot more volatile than you say it actually is. That's true. Think about Anglo-American, for example. In the last five trading days, it's up 34%. Granted, year to date, it's still down over 50%. But these huge moves are worrying and actually... The only way for me to explain it when it comes to these resource shares is a short squeeze because it feels like a short squeeze. And, you know, when you when you look at small or mid caps, you expect big moves because of the liquidity or the illiquidity kind of requirement that is there. But on these big companies, I, I'm really worried about it. That Those are the things that kind of throw me off kilter. And then especially if you look at the global economy as a whole. So... I don't know. Yes, we're all worried about China at the moment. We're worried that they're not producing as much, that the growth is not going to be there. Um, the U.S. definitely, they're, they're a bit worried at the moment. Sure, they're creating 150,000 jobs a month, but it's not the wage growth is not what they were hoping. So the Fed keeps telling us they're going to delay this interest rate hike because they're worried about the global economy. And yet Anglo-American jumps but surely in this day and age, the most research into company values, you know, is taking place. Um, there are so many research houses, you know, counting every single, looking at every single number. Um, and still we can, at, in the morning, between the mo- a morning and the afternoon, see a 10% difference in valuation. How, how is this happening? I think analysts are really concerned and confused about what is going on in the economy at the moment. I think that's the big, the absolute big um, crunch. Because even in the U.S. at the moment, they did a little study where they showed that the difference between the 
consensus so that they take a consensus and the difference between the top and the bottom analysts is the biggest it has been since 2008. So there's a clue in that. It, it really says that even though we're sitting here doing all our analysis with all our big spreadsheets, it, it's very difficult to know where we're going from here, that the data seems to be almost contradicting itself. And this kind of disbelief in the China growth or the China hard landing or soft landing and whether or not China can change from being a manufacturing into a services economy fast enough, we just don't have the answers. And then, of course, at the same time, you have all the quantitative easing or threats of quantitative easing or everybody trying to boost their economy or their stock market, China, for example. They keep pumping cash or liquidity into the system. And I think that's just to prop up the stock exchange, not so much the economy. I, I really do believe what they're doing is just trying to make everybody not panic, which I, I believe to an extent, I guess, they're, they're winning that battle. How do you manage a equity fund in this environment? <laughs> With a lot of difficulty and many sleepless nights, Drake. So one of the funds that I manage is called the Navigator Plus, and it very much looks like an enhanced benchmark so what I do is, in theory, I, I create the benchmark and then I look at the shares that I do and don't like. And everything really is about risk management. Everything is what about is the benchmark? The SWIX, the sh Shareholder Weighted Index. Um, and everything really about risk is about risk management. So I'm trying not to be kind of outperforming my benchmark by 15 and then underperforming by 15. I'm trying for a low dispersion around the average which when the market falls does hurt me a little bit, I must admit, that, that kind of gives me sleepless nights. Um, but we try to pick good stocks. So there's always a reason kind of why I do and don't pick stocks. So at the moment, my fund is very much RAND hedge stocks. Unfortunately, I do believe that the RAND is weaker for longer. Um, I think this is the year where unless we something crazy happens that the RAND will stay fairly weak. Mm. So... It does help that 50% of the shares on the JSC get their revenue from offshore. That That's certainly going to protect us in a manner of speaking. But you still want to look at companies that have strong balance sheets going forward. Let's look at the companies you are overweight in. Naspers, Advitech, Mediclinic, Bright and SAB Miller. Obviously, you know, blue chip companies. Uh, quickly, why those companies? Okay. Advitech is different because it's a completely local um business so all its revenue is local but I do like it and I have liked it for a while because I think they've got growth they're fairly recession proof so because they're playing in the space between kind of high end education and the very low end they're in the middle and really they have schools that are now still kind of in startup they've got about 30% of their schools in startup phase still so they've got a lot of growth perspective Mediclinic, Brait um, I do believe that we we can still see some corporate action coming out of those, even though we have seen some last year in 2015. Going forward, potentially there is more. SAB Miller to me is like a bond, quite frankly. It's uh, You can just earn, uh, my calculation was 8% in hard currency until the deal is concluded. I honestly don't think that there's going to be anything to stop the deal from going through. And from now until conclusion, I'll take 8%. So it, it really is trading almost exactly like our R186, quite frankly. And NASPERS, uh, especially in the context of a declining Chinese economy? Yes, NASPERS. Well, NASPERS 
actually is still trading at a discount to its 10 cent holding. So basically you're getting the local businesses in Naspers for free. The question, of course, is can Tencent continue to grow? And that's the question everybody's asking. I do believe they can. I I do believe they far outstrip their competitors. It'll take a while for their competitors to catch up to where they are. Mm. Um, You are underweight in Sassel and MTN. Uh, Why? So the lower oil price obviously has served me well in those trades, which is fantastic. Going forward, I do have to think very carefully about where we're going and what they're doing. And I saw MTN do some interesting deals um, last week. In fact, they bought into a technology company. Oh, Travel Start. That's right. They, they invested along with Amadeus Capital. And I think they're trying to be clever about where they are. Unfortunately, in my mind, MTN is a bit of an ex-growth company. They're exposed to Africa. They're exposed to Nigeria where things just politically seem it seems wrong that Nigeria can just come out and fine MTN such huge amounts of money. It, it's it's extraordinary that they can do it, but they can. I guess the thing with MTN is if Iran comes online, which it has done recently, the sanctions have been listed, lifted, Sorry, potentially there is growth for MTN in that region and in their technology space, but not really in Africa. And of course, Nigeria being an oil play, I'm worried about it. I... I'm not sure there's any reason for the oil price to spike in the near term. And as I said, Iran, sanctions have been listed. So they'll keep pumping oil um, quite happily because they need to now kind of almost, if you like, catch up the revenue that they've lost. Just uh, on the commodity side, uh, we've seen a recent bounce uh, in in commodity stocks. um, uh, And you are neutral um, in your holdings of uh, Anglo and Billiton. Uh, What is your view on the commodity sector? I don't think the commodities are going to bounce very hard. So I'm neutral because of the kind of things that we're seeing. You know, this extraordinary kind of 17% in a day move. Um, And the diversified miners tend to do better. I'm of the opinion that in the commodity space, a couple of companies almost have to go bust before we see a real uptick in value in these shares. So I'm holding them more as a hedge against trading, if you like, at this stage. Am I going to go overweight in the near term? Probably not. Mm. We, you know, we've seen the, the JSE move, um, you know, um, move back about 12% um, since the high um, last year. Do you think there are buying opportunities now? And uh, if so, where are you looking? Yeah, I'm to be honest, Drake, I'm sitting on a lot of cash <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm happy to sit on cash for a while. The, the fixed income market all this year alone should give you about 8% if you consider where the yields are trading now and if you take off a little bit for the, cap, the, the decline in the capital. Um, so I'm going to stay in cash for the next couple of months until I'm absolutely convinced that there is a buying opportunity. So. Uh, my portfolio is skewed towards Rand Hedges at the moment and a significant amount of cash. Just lastly, your biggest fund is your money market fund. Um, it has been performing pretty well. Um, we've seen a, a few interest rate hikes um, last year and this year, and there may even be more this year. That obviously, how, how does that play on your mind and how does it change the way you manage that fund? So the mandate for the um, money market fund really is first and foremost capital preservation. That's what I look for. I take very little risk in the fund. And up until the interest rate hike a couple of 
when was it, two weeks ago now already, mm. um, I was actually short duration. And since the hike, because we kind of knew it was coming, I've upped my yield in that. And, and I'll, I will continue to do that as the bond market moves. Um, but very, again, very little risk. And I'm going to try and stay very conservative and just move along the yield curve as it changes in the year going forward. Just lastly, what should investors expect for the rest of this year? Um, do you think we can beat inflation? <laughs> wow, that's such a good question. I don't actually think. If you're looking just at the equity market, I think on average you're going to struggle to beat inflation. It is a stock picker's market. I find myself saying that a lot. <laughs> but it does feel like an absolute stock. You've got to choose the blue chips. You've got to choose the right stocks with strong balance sheets with a bit of rand hedge in the local market to see yourself through. It's almost... It's almost an avoidance of the companies that are going to struggle or that are going to fall by the wayside. But if you have uh, a significant exposure to equities, would it be a advisable strategy to move some to the money market? I absolutely think so, yes, absolutely. Anthea Gardner is from Cartesian Capital.